to jump on to another question here that we have really fast here. If you were to say anything to your young ministry self, yeah. what would you go back and tell yourself? You're just starting out. Yeah. What do you wish you knew? Um, I think for my ministry self, it would be um, relax. You're going to have to go through some really hard moments like we kind of talked about um, in order to be who God's created you to be. Mm-hmm. And, and I think sometimes in pastors' lives, we watch them get out early. Mm-hmm. And it's because God has them in a period of training mm-hmm. and they don't like how it feels. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I just did a sermon series on this that, that David... If you look at David, David spent years in the wilderness Mm -hmm. as a shepherd boy who was forgotten by his father, so much forgotten by his father that when um, the prophet came and told him that he was going to be the next king, that his dad, when he was done, sent him back out to the field. (laughs) And and and, and the prophet even had to look at him and say, hey, you got to have one more son. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got one more. I mean, he was completely forgotten in a job that everybody's forgotten. He had to be thinking, what in the world's going on? fighting lions and bears, but not realizing that those would one day become Goliaths and armies. You know what? God does that. I was, I was just reading about um, uh, studying Joshua right now, just on yeah. another matter. And um, God uses so much time like as, as an apprentice before oh, yeah. positioning, right? But you see a lot of people that go into ministry with, they, they assume the position without the preparation. And then they're operating in this position without the preparation. And then they aren't able to handle the landmines that they step on, Absolutely. right? That come alongside that the enemy just wants to use to blow them out of the water. Yeah. And a lot of times it happens because they haven't spent enough time preparing, thinking mm-hmm. that they're just going to be on stage or there's going to be odd and they're, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or just revered. Um, but there is a time of preparation and we see that all through scripture. Um, and, and I think that preparation happens when we don't even know that it's happening. Uh-huh. You know, like these little things, these little things that were hurtful or harmful or this, this person that came against you or, or left the church or all that. You're just like, uh-huh. what is happening? And that I think, I think it's great to just relax, just let them go or, or whatever, fill in the blank. Cause God's working this, yeah. this kindness and this gentleness yeah. into your life. Mm-hmm. So you say that you don't want the Superman like persona. Mm-hmm. Um, what, and how do you have your accountability? That's a great question. So, so I, um, I have a group of four guys I meet with every Monday. Um, one of those guys knows every aspect and corner of my life. That's awesome. There's not a thing he and my wife don't know. Mm-hmm. And he has full right to ask me any question he wants to. Um, he has full right when he sees me acting a certain way or changing in my personality, he can ask me those things and I'll tell him. That's awesome. And I, you know, the key to accountability is honesty. Absolutely. I've worked with guys, I've been with guys in accountability groups mm-hmm. that were in our accountability group answering the questions as, as you know, every week and then cheating on their wife in the background. And you're like, man, what the heck? But um, trusting someone, uh, for pastors out there, trusting someone that you can tell everything um, is so key. Are they four people that go to your church? Uh, yeah, well, the guy who knows everything is one of my elders. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think, do you find it hard for pastors to make other pastoral friends? Do you think uh, there in is or a, out of the, you mean outside of the church? No. Within, outside of their church or? Yeah, just in, in general. Do you hang out with other pastors? Yeah. I do. I, I do hang out with other pastors. Uh, there's an incredible group of guys in the St. Louis area. This is probably the best I've ever seen it where pastors really like one another. Um, I, I, I think that a lot of times it's competitive. Mm-hmm. As, as crazy as that sounds. It's we're, the truth. Yeah. We're trying to reach people for Jesus and it's competitive of who has the most. And, and, you know, sometimes you'll see in this, this 
competitive battle. Mm -hmm. You'll see guys who are more charismatic or mm -hmm. uh, you know, have the ability to draw a larger church and everybody will ostracize them because they, they don't and, and they, you know, they almost resent them. And so there's all that stuff going on. But here in St. Louis, mm -hmm. there's really a band of brothers that I've gotten to know that are great guys. That's so good. Yeah. That's so good. I remember uh, my dad being, went going to a pastoral conference and they brought in, and, and I don't remember exactly where it was, but it would have been in the last few years, and they brought in all these major leaders of all these mega churches, and they were all being applauded for all these great measures that they had done. And yeah. my dad walked out of there, because he's a pastor, and he mm -hmm. walked out of there, and he's like, Who's, who are we supposed to talk to that understands about the ones of us that are in the trenches yeah. every day? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Who do we go and we talk to about how we're pouring our blood and our life out and we can't get 14 people to show up consistently, yeah. yep. you know? And I think that that camaraderie is so necessary. Yeah. You know? But it takes humility. It, does. it takes a group of guys that go, it's not about me. Yeah. It's about what God wants. And, yeah. and can I help that one? You know, can I help that pastor? Can that pastor help me? And can we give each other advice and be okay with the fact that he may have more success than I have with what we're talking about? Um, yeah. That's good. I think the best pastors and leaders and coaches have their own leaders and mentors and coaches. And like, I think a leader of anything that is not willing to submit themselves to another person mm -hmm. is one against Bible. Submit yourselves one to another for the edification of the body, right? So it's like they're against the Bible, but then they are also just really riding in that, that pridefulness of that is so different than the humility that it takes to be able to truly servant lead your church. And I mean, and I think too, like modeling, modeling Christ's way of pastoring versus culture's way of pastoring too is a big thing because like, when you're talking about with the camaraderie of pastors, like the pastors that started the Capital C Church mm -hmm. were a band of brothers and then went out and created yeah. that. And so it's almost like get your camaraderie first before you want to go and lead instead of like just pop up in the middle of nowhere and go, I want to lead a bunch of people, but I don't have a band of people around me yeah. that I'm willing to submit myself to. Yes, please come on board with me. <laughs> like yeah. that is not somebody I would want to be able to follow. What are some... <laughs> temptations maybe that pastors face that would be unique and is there anything that the congregation can do the body can do to help or is there anything that we're doing that we shouldn't do we can I do think, better i think pride is a huge one yeah. and and pride sneaks itself into the life of a pastor in a lot of different ways so it can sneak itself in the life of a pastor in an obvious way like he thinks he's greater than he really thinks he should be <laughs> right or it can sneak in of somebody attacking him mm -hmm. and him thinking that, how dare you? Mm -hmm. And in pride responding, mm -hmm. right? Um, in pride being upset because somebody leaves his church mm -hmm. because, you know, who, who would dare leave my church? You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And, and I think pride is a huge issue that attacks a pastor in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. so, so how do we ways. help keep you humble? <laughs> throw, throw stones? Is that? Uh, no. I think honest yeah. dialogue. <laughs> yeah. I think... I think honest dialogue brings down the fences of pride. Yeah. You know, to have people that go, hey, I know Jimmy left, but you know what? Um, God's got a call for his life and you're doing a great job. You keep it up. Yeah. And man, I believe in you. And I just want you to know he might've left, but I'm here with you. Yeah. So encouragement, you guys yeah. need encouragement. Yeah, because a lot of times, you know, I, I can just speak from experience on this. If two people are angry at you at church, and let's say your church runs 500, mm -hmm. 
in your mind, everybody's angry Everybody, at you at church. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You, you just lump everybody together and, and 98% of the people love you, right? And love you as a brother or whatever, but you just think everybody hates you because all you hear is the negative. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think encouragement and reality to a pastor is probably the most important thing you can do for him. That's good. That's good. Kind of along with like how um, your members can support you and kind of encourage you, but like I know I hear a lot of... Um, church members say kind of like, well, they're my pastor. Like I, it's, it's almost like they're putting you up on this pedestal. Like yeah. I have to have, like, they are the only ones I can turn to for anything. I have to have their blessing, approval, direction, guidance of everything. Yeah. So they almost kind of bottleneck their leadership in their life to the pastor. Yeah. And that's a lot of pressure for you as pastor when you have hundreds of people in your congregation. So sure. what would be something you as a pastor would be able to really kind of say the say to the congregation of like supporting that need to spread out their need for support, not just always coming to you about it? So luckily at our church, that's a little bit easier. We have like 14 or 15 people on staff. And so because of that, I can kind of spread it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we try to encourage people to find people in their life that are their accountability partner. Mm-hmm. One of the things we're getting ready to launch a lot with discipleship is you, do you have your two? Do you have two people in your life that you're pouring into and that you're asking that you're there available to? Mm-hmm. Because really, I mean, let's be honest, if 500 people go to a church or 300 people or 700 people and the pastor is trying to run it all, mm-hmm. who, can, who can pastor 700 people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A successful church is a church where everybody understands that they're a pastor. Right. And so, I mean, I think the, the congregation understand that you have pastoral duties. You're not just a person that fills a pew and heats a seat. Mm-hmm. You're there missionally. How have you handled this entire um, season of, you know, COVID. of COVID? Like, have you leaned in more or have you been like hands off? Like, how have you dealt with this whole? So we had a really, uh, we had a really interesting situation. Um, we kind of saw it happen as it was as it was occurring, and so we were like, "We're going to get out in front of this," mm-hmm. and we knew we had to have a really good media presence because people are going to be watching it on yeah. TV, and we knew we had to stay connected to people. Mm-hmm. And so I literally sat down with my team. I don't know if they told you this, and I sat down with all of them in one day, and uh, I looked at them and I said, "Whatever your role and your title was, you're not that anymore. You're a connections pastor." which means you have to figure out how to continue to connect people to God. And so if you're a worship guy, get it out of your head. I don't care if you're a worship guy. If you're yeah. a youth guy, I really don't care because we're connections pastors because if we don't connect people, our church will die. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we just came up with this entire plan that, of how we were going to connect people. I and love it, that. And it hit noon. And the, and the president comes out and goes, well, we're going to now say you can't have groups bigger than 10. We're like, crud, we just spent three hours <laughs> trying to figure out how to do this. And so we had to go back to the drawing board and do it again. But we've just tried so hard to make sure people stay connected yeah. and um, realize that we have to get outside of our box. Yeah. Because this is an outside of the box moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't feel that, I don't know how. Because this is just crazy. Yeah weird times. It is. I think it also shows that pastors need to be teachable and they need to be moldable as they go on. Because like, who would have thought that some, I think there's so many people that, and pastors particularly, um, and any speakers, I would say, because I do public speaking, but we play off the audience. We like the Mm -hmm. audience because we can engage and we can see faces Mm -hmm. and we can see responses. And then, but all of a sudden you're looking at a computer screen, right? And you're trying to figure out, it's a guessing game. I don't know if that hit. Was that funny? 
I don't know. Did that come across right? Are they laughing? I don't even know what's happening right now. Um, laugh box. I do. I knew, yeah, laugh now. So, but I think that, you know, pastors had an opportunity, a real opportunity to learn how to minister in a different way. And I honestly believe, I mean, I don't know the future, but I don't think that we're going to go backwards digitally. I think that we're going to continue even as a culture yeah. to continue to go forward culturally. You know, I think I just saw a, a report out by Barna that said, you see that by Zach Searcy that said that like three, I see one out of every three evangelical Christians have stepped out of going to church. You know, even when churches are opening, they're one out of every three is still that, that scared. And so, and we understand and so that's not even the point of all of it. But the point is, is how do we continue to minister to people? But you had to learn, right? Pastors had to be like, okay, you know what? We're, we're going to be willing to, to, this feels weird, but we're going to do this. And I think, I think that we have to, I think the Lord, if there's a silver lining in this, I'm sure there's several is that he's using this as an opportunity to teach people, ministers of the gospel, to how to reach more people digitally than they ever would have. Or outside of the walls. Outside I think even walls. more than just digitally, um, I, I feel personally that maybe the church became too comfortable just operating inside mm -hmm. our bubble of the mm -hmm. church. It's a very comfortable, in America, it's comfortable Christianity. It is, it's sure. being comfortable. And so I think that it doesn't just open it up digitally, but mm -hmm. it, it opens up to this is how you have to do life without being inside these walls. And this yeah. is how you evangelize. And this is how you be the church together in mm -hmm. community. What has been like one of the most pleasant surprises that's, that's not just through this process, but as a pastor that you thought, I had no idea this was, this part was gonna be so good. This part is just good. Uh, you know what? I, okay, so this is going to sound really weird. Um, I went through probably the hardest moment of my ministry career last fall. Yeah. We had a little girl who was killed in a tractor accident. And I was there from basically the moment she was at the hospital to the moment she passed. And I was with the family. And um, hardest moment of my life. Mm -hmm. I, I still... I still am messed up mentally about it, I think. Um, but what I, what I would say about that hardest moment in my life is I developed relationships so deep with those people mm -hmm. that, I don't know, it's like they're family now. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I wouldn't wish that on anybody else in, in the world. What they're going through is so traumatic and horrible. I just can't even imagine. But, but I love the relationship. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And the opportunity to just have an authentic understanding that when I show up, I don't have to put any hairs on. Mm -hmm. I was there at the darkest moments of their life. Mm -hmm. And if I screw up, yeah, that's bad. He was there at the darkest moments of my life. You know what I mean? And it, and it just really takes the pressure off. It's a forge by fire relationship. It really is. And, and, uh, and uh, I'm grateful for it. I'm not grateful that that happened. I'm still traumatized by it, but, mm -hmm. but I'm grateful that I have those relationships through it. One of the reasons, honestly, that you're here is because I attended the funeral that you did. Yeah. I was in the very back row. I'm not good at funerals, and I, and I, am, I, am, I am, but I was so impressed by how gentle and how kind and how real you were and how you yeah. ministered. You. And it was not, because arrogance rubs me the wrong way, just yeah. generally speaking, and it was probably one of the most gentle funerals that I've ever, I've, and of course, you know, that, the that, dad was oh amazing, gosh. just gosh, amazing. Was, the grace yeah. of God, I have never seen on a human being so powerful before for him to be able to say the things that he was saying. One of the most godly men I've ever known. That's remarkable. That's remarkable. You know, what I really hear your heart saying that is just vulnerability is like the power bullet 
yeah. against Satan in the church. Yeah. Because when you are vulnerable and let people in to those dark moments and those dark areas, you, you totally come up against shame that says, stay hidden. Mm -hmm. Vulnerability says, step out regardless. Mm -hmm. And so when you are able to really do that, especially when there's a time like this year has been so hard for so many people and it's been the elephant in the room in church buildings, in every conversation, in the counseling offices, in like, what have we really talked about more than COVID this year? Mm -hmm. yeah. Nothing. Mm -hmm. And so whenever people are willing to step into the uncomfortable, instead of just trying to pull people out of it, like that's what Jesus did. Let me step into your junk mm -hmm. and love you anyway. Yeah. That's that like vulnerability of allowing people in. And so I really kind of hear what you're saying, like when you can step into those hard places, yeah. you know, and as a pastor, you guys did like, it, they showed up like mm -hmm. hardcore for church. And I mean, I feel like we didn't even skip a beat. It was just kind of like, we all went on vacation together and we're just connected online and we came back to the church. And so, but it's like, Hey, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Let's talk about the hard stuff. Let's step into this together. Yeah versus trying to keep our little parameters up in yeah. place and still act like everything's okay. We're gonna get through this, but like, hey, you know what? Let's just talk about it and we're here for you. Like, I think that's a really big thing. That's good, Elizabeth. I love the question, um, what are mistakes you see the congregation making? And I think this question is really um, a hard one for me because I sat with a girl today who is a strong believer, but she is really disappointed in the church and how mm -hmm. they have responded to this. Mm -hmm. And we talk about this a lot, like the fear that's overtaking mm -hmm. even strong believers right now. Mm -hmm. um, what is the mistake that you see the congregation is making? Are we relying on you to feed our yes. souls? Yes. You know, like, are we not finding our sufficiency in Christ? Like, what are we doing that you are I like, think, help? Yeah, passivity. I mean, it's, it's there. How many good. times do you mm -hmm. see, how many times do you see a person go, well, I wish the church would make this statement. Yes. You are the church. That's yes. good. Upon this rock, I'll build my church, right? right? right. Yeah. And so, I mean, at the end of the day, the pastor is not the church. I'm not North Road. Mm -hmm. You know, North Road's not mine. Mm -hmm. It's God's. And it's built around a bunch of people that I get the opportunity on a Sunday morning to come and have a conversation mm -hmm. with. And when you are a passive believer like that, yeah. assumption comes into play. And when you start assuming, what you start assuming is the worst, yeah. right? And so I always say to Sean, Sean is our executive pastor, and he, he and I look at each other all the time, and we always say, you know, nobody will ever know how true our hearts were, mm -hmm. except for us. Because assumption's so strong, yeah. because they want to know, why was I the victim, and why did this happen to me, and, you know, why couldn't you have been there? Well, I mean, the church has got to rise up, yeah. right, in order to see the church become what it was supposed to become. So as a current congregation, like, your advice to us would be? Not be so passive. Yeah, I mean, it's your church, yeah. right? And so if you see a ministry need, then pick up the phone. Pick up the phone and go, hey, I just feel like, you know, we could do more with COVID. I got this idea and this idea and this idea. Yeah. Let, can we run with that? I don't think there's too many pastors that would tell you no. Yeah. I also hear you saying, like, don't assume. Like, I think, yeah. like, like, stop assuming, too. Like, get clarity. Like, yeah. if you are assuming something, get clarity. My mom always would say, 
um, assume, she would call it a suicide, like a suicide. homicide kills somebody else, suicide kills yourself, like a suicide kills relationship with God, with That's people, true. and with yourself. I'm and so, a suicide, mama, <laughs> I'm plugging you. <laughs> so good. But yeah, it's so good. I'm going to ask you uh, two questions, and we're going to close it with these two questions. Yep. What is the thing that you are most passionate about mm-hmm. preaching on, first okay. thing? And then the second thing, yeah. what is your favorite scripture? Do you, ha- do you have a favorite scripture? Oh, absolutely. Joshua 1.9. Joshua. Which I mean is you know only the only if you look at the things that God needs you to become you, right you only have to be strong and courageous yeah. I don't think I've done anything on my behalf on my own that has made North Road successful in the last seven years I've just walked through doors mm-hmm. and been courageous strong in my faith and courageous in my walk mm-hmm. and and if I can do those two things then God does the rest That's awesome. right. Because he'll be with you wherever you go. Yeah. I mean, that's the promise. That's the character. Somebody would say, well, that's just for Joshua. That was for him when he was walking mm-hmm. in the promise. No, that's the character of my father. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That I don't need to perform. He's the performer. Mm-hmm. I just need to be strong and courageous. We're just going to have you on to preach next time. Yeah, right. This no. is so great. We're going to do parenting one time, and then we're going to do... Anyway, okay, and then the last question yeah. is, um, what, are you, what are you like to be yeah, most passionate? What is the thing you just love to preach on the most? I love to preach on choices, because I think our choices are what make us, right? And so many times, uh, I, okay, there's this whole war in, in church world with pastors now. You got the guy who's like super theological and he's going to make sure he parses all these things and yeah. he's expository. That is not me. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sorry if, if you're big on that. I apologize. I'm, I'm the enigma. <laughs> I want somebody to take something home that they go, I'm going to use this in my life this practical. week. You're practical. Yeah. Yes, I know. And I so can. to help somebody understand choices are what make us, uh-huh right? The choice to choose Jesus, Mm -hmm. the choice to walk a holy life, the choice to realize that God created me for a purpose and my house is not the place that I get to build up and make big. It's my platform. And I have a choice to use it for the grace of God and for other people's lives, or I can choose to, you know, just make it my kingdom. And so those choices will define me. And when somebody gets that, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, that's, that's my favorite thing in life. Yeah. What a wonderful, what a wonderful breaking bread. Well, thank you, well, thank you for <laughs> thank, you. thank you for choosing to come and participate. Well, that's no, a great I'm choice. <laughs> <laughs> to have you come. I see what you do. And actually, you. you're our first man. We've yeah. we've yeah. not only are you our first pastor, but you're our first man. So you're very thank brave you to come and be with it. us. It was <laughs> Joshua, just like Joshua. <laughs> All right. I'm sure that you and I will have, and, and we'll have further conversations. You have been a blessing uh, to us and to our audience. So thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Breaking Bread.